I don't wanna go to work. I just wanna chill and play all day. Look him dead in the face and say, I wish I could just be still asleep while you work. Welcome to season four of the Jobs Glow podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Haas, and this is the podcast for dreamers with and without day jobs. This week's show is called Act Like a Child with the CEO of Society Performers Academy, Joe Lorenzo. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, my pleasure. So I'm just going to give a little bit of background on your organization. So you're behind the country's leading talent coaching organization, Society Performers Academy, and that is made up of 20 teachers that includes actors, talent coaches, casting directors, dancers, singers, and more. And you travel around the country giving kids the opportunity to audition for agents, managers, and casting directors. Correct. Yes. In a nutshell, basically. And then in February 19th, on February 19th, we just launched in Canada as well online. Okay. Yeah. So a list of some of your clients and feel free to throw any other ones in. I have here the voice of Tommy Pickles, EJ Daly. EJ Daly. Yeah. She actually was just on Kelly Clarkson's show yesterday. Oh, wow. Okay. And how old is she now? She. I can't say that. She's a, she's a woman. Oh, she is a woman. Oh, for sure. She's got grown kids herself. Oh, yeah. wow. She had this one woman show in Los Angeles and she always talked about that. She's like very gorgeous, sexy little thing or whatever. But she's like, nobody ever cared about that. All they cared about was my voice. And she plays all these like little boy or little girl characters on Nickelodeon and, and Paramount Plus. So then when you worked with her, she wasn't a child or she was a child? No, she was not a child. Okay. No. Okay. All right. So yeah, when we when we were working with some people, they were either it just depended on where they were in their career and how I could help them. So it wasn't always specifically kids. Now it is. It's only ages seven to seventeen. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that is for voice work as well as screen work. That's for everything, basically. The only thing we don't really teach is modeling because there's not really a way to teach that. I know that there's some schools that say, oh, yeah, we can teach you modeling. But what are you teaching? You know, we I have this conversation all the time with people that say, well, my kids, you know, everybody always stops my kid. They're beautiful. They're this, that. They should be, you know, they should be a model. I'm like, well, they're seven. So they, yeah, they could be in an old Navy ad or a Target ad or a back to school, some sort of, you know, on their website or whatever it is. But that also comes from acting. You know, it's like they need to learn how to do the lines and the emotion and work behind a camera and or in front of a camera, excuse me, and hit their marks. That's how you model. I mean, that's so there's not really a way to teach modeling. So I don't I can't stand the schools that are like, we're going to teach you how to model. I mean, you should learn how to act first if you want to model. And there's a lot of models. I have a lot of really great friends. One of my friends is the vice president of two management. Another one is the director of a lead. And, you know, I have a lot of friends in the modeling world and they always say, They tell their girls or guys to take improv classes because it'll help you with the emotions when you're in front of the camera and giving the photographer what they need. But yeah, from it's we run the gamut. Society Performers Academy runs the gamut from teaching voiceover, singing, dancing and acting and online and in person. So I know I mentioned that you travel around the country. Geographically, do you get most of the children from the California, L.A. area or So you'd be surprised. I mean, one of our kids is doing really, really well right now, Raheem. He's in Brooklyn. And so he's able to go in and out of New York. But the thing is, is that in the pandemic, 
I pivoted pretty early in the pandemic, like the first week or two of March and put everything online because we do have brick and mortar studios. And so everybody knows everything had to go on, online. We we're all safer at home, all that kind of stuff, just like you and I are doing right now. We're not in a studio together. So we did that fairly quickly. And what I did was I pulled the agents to say, are you going to want kids from just one region or the other or just one territory or the other? And a lot of really great agencies like Laura Thede, who's the vice president at DDO, she and then my other friend, Milton, who's a youth agent at AEFA, they both mentioned to me, they were like, no, we don't actually care where they are right now because everything is being self-taped. Everything is being Zoomed. Everything is being, you know, until they really book the job, then they're going to have to come to Los Angeles, New York, Vancouver, wherever it may be shooting. But a lot of things are being done online. So it doesn't matter where you are. And that's actually kind of a silver lining of COVID is you now have access to this business even if you're in Walla Walla, Washington or some Fort Worth, Texas or some Flo- or city in Florida or whatever it may be. So yes, the kids that live in Los Angeles and that can hop in their car and run over to Paramount if they need to, to audition for a Nickelodeon show, may they have an advantage? Maybe, but it's a lot of the casting is not back in person yet. So nationwide, you, you have access to it no matter where you are. So I know you said you're uh, working with children seven to 17. So how does that work for you? So you have a client, you've worked with them since they were seven, they're now 16. They know that once they hit 17, they need to find new representation. Well, we're not their representative. We develop and train them and we put them in front of the agents, managers, and casting directors. And then those agents, managers, and casting directors decide. And they don't opt out essentially. Like when I was a manager and I represented Tyler Blackburn, I started him when he was 17 years old. He had nothing on his resume. We got him a few things here and there. And then he got Pretty Little Liars. He was Caleb on Pretty Little Liars for eight years. And, you know, I'm not going to tell his real age, but all those guys and girls were in their late 20s, even in the final seasons of that show. Mm-hmm. So they don't opt out of that system. It's, it is the age that you play. For us to train, though, actors, I don't want a 23-year-old in the same class as a 13-year-old. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. and the material's different. The approach is different. Not that they're in there cussing or anything like that, but it's like, it's just different. It's a different vibe. And so we feel if as though if you're 18 plus, you should be in that category. So our categories for training are seven to 12 and then 13 to eight, 13 to 17. I would like to know how you got into this business before we talk more about it. So tell me a little bit about your background. Sure. So I was in New York and I had a friend that said she she's like, oh, I have a friend that lives in L.A. and she's looking for an assistant in her management company. And I said, I didn't know what that really was. I don't have anybody in my family that's an actor or that's in the business in any sort of form. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had gone to school for finance and I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. And so I was 21 years old and I went out, came out here. I met with her. And I got the job and I started working a month later. That was in August. And a month later, I moved out in September and it was over 22 years ago, 21 years ago. And I just had lunch with her like three months ago, actually. I hadn't worked with her in my gosh, 20 years because I worked with her for about a year and then I left and I started my own. She wasn't happy at the time, but we've now mended fences. And Wait, you started back. your own a year later at 22? Like 22. Uh-huh. I know it was a really big risk, but I kind of saw what was the way that it was working. And I said, I, I just feel like I could do this and I could make this money. And I said, so I called my parents 
And I said, God rest their souls now. They're both gone. But they both were so supportive. And they said, my mom immediately hopped on a plane and helped me set up shop in my little apartment. And then my dad, I said, dad, you might have to help me with rent and car payment and things for a little bit in the beginning. You know, again, I was only in my early 20s, 22. Not that, you know, it's an excuse. Anybody that's out there, (laughs) you should start being independent at that age. But they did help me for a little bit of time. And I was able to, yeah, get some clients. And at the time I knew the way to do it was to get some clients on soap operas because they were, it it was an easier way and it was a steady paycheck for them. And then for me, for getting 10% of what they made. And so that's what I did. I aligned myself with good agencies and other people that I had met within that year. And then it just sort of grew from there. And then the iteration of Society Performers Academy happened because In working with a lot of kids, I saw that they were either ill-prepared coming into audition for me as a manager. They were ill-prepared when they were going into their auditions for whatever, Nickelodeon, Disney, Freeform, CW, whatever it might be. So I didn't want to manage anymore. I didn't want to be what's called the 10 percenter. I wanted to go on the development side. And so in 2017, I closed my management company and we were doing great. We had clients on series and everything. It just didn't fuel me anymore. I wanted to work with the kids get them first and develop them correctly and then give them to agents and managers so that they're really a ready package. And so that's what I did. 2017, I created Society Performers Academy and we pivoted to the development and training side of it. And then with Canada now, we have 24 coaches total online. And then we we have two brick and mortar studios, Society Performers Academy in Upland, California and Society Performers Academy in Point Pleasant Beach, New Jersey, in the Jersey Shore. I know you're now in New York. You can go down there anytime you want to check I've it out. Been, I've been to uh, And then we do travel and do these pop-ups in cities. And the kids love it. The kids and parents love it. Like we just went to Rockville, Maryland, doing a little program for them. And the kids and parents are so grateful for it. We went to Santa Barbara recently, and they're, they're so grateful for that. We have a kid, James Kona, who's doing really, really well in Santa Barbara. He just booked that Never Have I Ever on Netflix and another show. But um, we're bringing, you know, the access to the people that may not necessarily have it in certain cities. So that's the long and the short of it. I don't know how short it was, but. No, that was great. So (laughs) then you make money by helping these kids like hone their acting skills. Correct. They pay us a fee for them to get developed, trained, have acting classes. But if they're online, it's five hours a week. If it's in person, it could be a, up to eight hours a day if they want to. It just depends on how much they want to engross themselves. I mean, we don't suggest a six-year-old doing eight hours a day. It's, those are typically like the girls that are 15, 16, that are already doing a bunch of dance. They can handle that kind of schedule. And then with that, we do in person, we do photo shoots for them. We do, where we fly a photographer from LA or New York. So what we do is even if you're in a remote city, such as Rockville or Santa Barbara, wherever it might be, I'm not just hiring some random photographer that shoots weddings out there, right? We're bringing in people from Los Angeles and New York, the major markets. And then they'll have an agent or manager showcase at the end of that, maybe at the end of the four or six week program. And we're bringing them in for major markets as well. So they, again, they have the access and the coaches as well. My, all my coaches, if you look on the website, but societyperformers.com at the social media is at society performers. But if you look on the website, all the bios are on there, Canadian bios and the U uh, S bios. And it, it would be one of those coaches that comes out and teaches your child. And then once the, you know, they're enrolled, we give them their bio again and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's bringing the Los Angeles and New York, the major markets to these remote cities. 
And then if the, after the four to six weeks or whatever, can they continue to take classes with your coach? Yes. Basically what we have to do, most of them, if they're in a remote city, we'll say, okay, yeah, you can come back and you can do, you know, for a couple hundred bucks, you could do 20 hours online for us or whatever, you know what I mean? To continue training. Cause a lot of times they fail to realize is that it's a marathon, not a sprint. When they sign with an agent or manager, the agent or manager is going to say, are you going to continue to study with Joe and Society Performers Academy? And if they say, no, not really. Well, then you got to continue with somebody because it's, you know, Simone Biles didn't get to the Olympics by just doing a four-week program and then stopping and waiting for her gold medal. You know what I mean? Like she continually trained. And that's the misconception with a lot of people in this business they want wham, bam. That's just not how it is, you know? And there's actors, I mean, even Meryl Streep, she really didn't hit into her late twenties because she went to Vassar and then Yale and she studied a lot. Not to say that you have to go to two major, major schools like that, but you continually have to study. It's a muscle, you know? I mean, even Tyler, going back to Tyler Blackburn, when he was on the show, he would be auditioning for other things such as comedy or whatever that were not same as uh, Pretty Little Liars. And he would take an, a comedy class or he would take an audition technique class because he knew that there was a skill that maybe he was missing because he was completely engrossed in this nighttime soap opera, nighttime tween soap opera, right? So it's important. So yes, they can continue with us typically online because we're not in Rockville anymore after the four to six weeks. Right. So let me ask you, for someone who went to school for finance and moved out there to L.A. to do this job, what did you love about it that you have been doing it now for 20 years? And why did you stick with kids and not decide you'd rather work with adults? I'll tell you exactly right now, because adults get to a point where they believe that they know better than you. And that's fine. But you don't. You hire an agent and manager for a reason. So you could be on set and, oh, but so-and-so was going out for this project. Yes, but so-and-so look, looks nothing like you. Or so there's other reasons, right? Adults have a lot of that. Kids are very innocent and pure and just want the joy of it all. And that's more fun to me. The parents, oh boy, can be a <laughs> handful. They really can. And those parents, we can pretty much sniff out pretty early on. And I don't care what you're paying me. We probably wouldn't re-enroll you if you were a handful to begin with, because you're going to then be a handful to the agent and manager who respects me. And then all of a sudden I'm giving you over to them and you're going to be a handful. You know, I mean, I had dinner with an agent friend of mine last night and we were talking horror stories. And one of which a girl is popping right now. And I can't say who it is, but the mom was not great, not easy to deal with. And so that part is hard. But the kids, my favorite part of my job when I was a manager was calling them and saying, you booked it. And especially if it was their first thing, the joy that would come. Now, the favorite part of my job is after they do a showcase is calling and saying they got a call back with an agency or an agency is interested in them. And then I'll say to the mom or say, don't tell them yet. Tape them with your phone and send it to me. I want to see it. And we love that. It's so the joy Because one, they don't really even know what it means. They just know that somebody likes them. You know what I mean? It's really, really sweet. So that's the reason why. On the opposite side, adults do make more money, essentially, just because they have a longer track record, let's say. But somebody like Brianna Evie, when she gets on a show, she's already been on a show. So she'll have a quote and she'll be able to command that. But somebody like like our little Raheem Berry, who's now, he just did Showtime and now he's now about to do an HBO show and he's through Society Performers Academy. He's building it, right? He doesn't go in with the CEO salary. He's building up to that. 
But my favorite part is just the pure joy because they don't really understand what it is. They just know that they like it. They just know that they're having fun. They just know that they get to be around other kids their age. They don't have to take a test on Friday. It's not school per se. Some of the kids really struggle with online. Most of them do really, really well. In the thick of the pandemic, everyone was sort of like, all right, we may take a break here and there because they're doing schooling online. They're doing dance online. They're doing this, they're doing that, they're whatever, you know, everything that they're involved in, they're tutoring. So we had some people taking breaks here and there, but now everybody's just sort of gotten used to it. But that's my favorite thing. And the reason that I've stuck with it, because it's a bit more creative. We even have a nationals event which is all the people coming from all over the state and from Canada, July 1st through the 5th in Hollywood. And it's a five-day event. They're doing competitions. They're doing trainings. They get to meet with over 25 agents, managers, and casting directors. It's a big award show, red carpet. We do a whole hoopla fun thing. And from that event alone, people have formed lifelong friendships. What about the opposite end of it, though? Because I know just in public relations, when I had to hire child models and I had to reject like some of them, it killed me. So, I mean, I imagine there's for every success story, you probably have four that. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah. Not every kid makes it and not every kid makes it in what way, though? You know, I mean, a, a kid can book a couple of commercials. I had a kid years ago, booked a couple of commercials, a thing here and there. We produced a movie for him. And now he went to law school and he's a lawyer. And he doesn't want to do it anymore, you know? So, and his parents would attribute the fact that he was able to do this as a business, get up in front of people, helped him in school. So that was successful for them, essentially. Mm-hmm. Other people measure it by the kid getting on a show or then making money within the industry. And that's their success, which is, I think most of us measure success that way. But on the other end, it comes down to the parents. If you make a little light of it, if you don't put as much pressure on it from the beginning, we try to tell the parents from the beginning, don't put as much pressure on it. Make sure that they're learning their lines. Make sure that they're memorizing, they're working on it at home, maybe every day after dinner, whatever it might be, right? That's the only way that they're going to get an A on a math test is if they study, do the same thing here. But don't put so much pressure on it. You can feel that. We can smell that in their showcase or in their audition or in their whatever they're going to be doing, their performance. And then when they, if they don't get something, make light of it. You know, oh, honey, you didn't you didn't get a call back, but that's okay. You have next time. Don't even worry about it. Remember, it was just like a tryout and we're going to try again. It really does come down to the parents. If you put too much pressure on it and you put too much pressure on your child, it's going to come out sideways. You lead me to the quote that I pulled for this show from a child actor. And it is, I credit my mom, Debbie, for creating a solid family base. She gave me a strong sense of reality so I could avoid falling into the normal pitfalls of child actors. And that's Elijah Wood said that. Nice. Which is really interesting when you consider he came up alongside Macaulay Culkin. Yep. Who had such a different experience, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is true. So I always say, number one, it's a union code and it's an ethics code you're allowed with an earshot and eyeshot of your child at all time. So do that. Don't leave your child alone with people in this business. There's a lot of crazy stories that happen. And so don't leave your child alone. Is that like (laughs) a fairly new thing? No, it's just all coming out now. This has been happening, I think, since the dawn of time. No, no. The the thing about being within earshot. Oh, no. I mean, it's probably at least within the last 15 years or so. Yeah. No, but Um, as I'm saying, it's been going on forever, but it's just in the last 15 years. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And they really implement it. You know, I mean, a lot of times they used to think, okay, we'll just put mom in the dressing room or whatever, and you'll get a better performance out of the child. Well, they may ask you to do that, but if you don't feel comfortable doing that, don't do it. And you are allowed to be right there on the film set or on the soundstage with your child. That's number one. Number two, 
have a life outside of this. You know, so many times we ask the kid or we even say to the kids when they get a call back for the agency or whatever, you know, they may ask you some questions like, what do you like to do? And, and, and immediately you can tell the kids that were programmed by their parents. It's like, what do you like to do for fun? I like to act. No, we understand that. That's why you're here. But what else do you like to do? No, I like to act. No, no, no. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> do you like to play baseball? Do you like to play basketball out in the front yard? Do you like to play tag? What is it? And let them have a life outside of this business. Daniel Day-Lewis said, and actually I requoted this from when Emma Thompson was on an interview because she heard it from him. So I never actually heard this from him directly, but she said, there's something to not doing it all the time. Meaning if you're doing a project, let's say a child does a, a show on Disney Channel, they do 22 episodes of Raven's Home, right? And then they have a three-month hiatus. Great, take that three-month hiatus and go on a vacation or go somewhere and do something and fuel up on life. I don't care if you're six or 16, fuel up on life because that fuel is going to give you the fuel for future performances. So not putting too much pressure from the parents and not being robotic and doing it all the time. You know, I know I just said, go after dinner and learn your lines or whatever, but you can't literally put so much pressure on your child to do it all the time. Again, otherwise it's going to come out sideways and you have to allow them to Listen to them. So like if they say to you, mommy, I don't want to do this, don't force them. Granted, yes, you invested money to do it. But if they realize after they get through the program and they get an agent and then they're sitting in the car for three hours because they had to go to an audition or they had to do this self-tape at home and it's been taking an hour because of the lighting or we had to keep redoing it for the cues or whatever it might be, and they're getting frustrated, put a pin in it, come back to it. If they don't want to come back to it, you got to listen to your child, mm. you know? They do the same things in sports. Ugh, I don't want to go to that. Or I don't want to go to that practice. Or Ugh, I don't want to do this. Listen to them. Don't allow them, obviously, to be quitters. You know, if you if you make a commitment and you're on a team, yes, try to finalize it and actualize that and get to the end of it. But don't force them. That's the number one thing, I think, because there is a lot of rejection in this business. If you get a lot of no's, which you're going to get before you get your first yes, just make light of it, you know, that's ah, their loss, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Do you ever talk to them while they're with you about handling fame? Because I feel like when you think about <laughs> child stars who things went spiraled and went really badly for them, the Corey's Gary Coleman, I'm going way back, Lindsay Lohan, like a lot of And there's a documentary on Hulu, I think, that, uh, what's her Star name? Star Moon Fry did. There's a lot of them and some of the suicides and things. And one of the young kids that I loved and who, because he was in that movie, Ladybugs and whatever, Jonathan something or whatever. Yes. He, I don't remember. He dated, you know he dated what's her name from Fresh Prince for a while. Yes. 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 So yeah. here's what I can say. No one can really prep you for it. You don't understand it. I remember the first time I was with Tyler and we were at some events, I think it was at the Dolby Theater, which is, if you know, Los Angeles is sort of connected to this like outside mall. It's called Hollywood Highland. And I think we were waiting to go into the premiere or waiting to go into something. And I forget what it was. We were like, let's go downstairs and grab a bite or whatever. It was really quick. Well, some girls started just coming up to him and he was like, oh, and he hadn't realized that yet. So it's hard to prepare for that. All I can say is that when it happens, don't allow your child to go flitting off to some random party or don't allow your child to go. You know, I mean, look, you allow your child to go ride their bike until the streetlights come on, right? And when they're 15, 16, whatever it might be, right? That's fine. 
apply that to this. Don't allow your child to just go to some random party at they're 16 years old and you have no idea what's going on at this party, but you, because there's going to be Hollywood people here, you're going to allow it to happen. I feel like it really comes down to the parents. I don't know anything about Macaulay Culkin's parents. I don't know anything about Corey Feldman's parents. I don't know anything about them. I mean, we, we know Dina Feldman and all that, you know what I mean? Like we know what all that, those pitfalls, because they've really been public about it, especially the struggles of them, the strife with the, all of the money and everything. So that's an issue, you know, don't depend on your child financially. I was going to say too, and I I think we talked about this before we started the show, is the, if you're letting your child do it because it's something that they truly want to do, or if it's about you want your child to make you money, AKA Mm -hmm. Britney Spears family. And a lot of the people that we, Macaulay Culkin's father was horrible about that. Yes. I didn't really know a lot of that story. I knew he had problems with his money, but yeah, I feel like to your point, we also discussed when you already come from money, it is a whole different ball game than not Mm -hmm. coming from money. Because for instance, do I think Julia Louis-Dreyfus is uber talented? 100%. That woman is a genius. Yeah. But Having piles of money to fall back on is totally different than someone who comes from nothing and is also that talented, but can't relax because they need health care. And that's a huge. So that is a huge thing. I mean, a lot of people don't know that about Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She was basically a billionaire before she started, but from a grandfather being some oil tycoon or whatever. But that is a huge thing. I used to do casting as well. And you could smell it. You could smell it even with the kids that it depended on them for even just to get this small commercial for their family to eat, you know? And then you could tell the ones that were just sort of use the word relaxed. That's a great word because they were relaxed in their own bodies. They weren't tensed up. They weren't, I mean, I'm doing, you can't see me because it's a podcast, but I'm tensing up my shoulders, but they weren't tensed up because it didn't all depend. Everything wasn't resting on the seven-year-old's shoulders to get this commercial so that their family could eat next week, you know? And you do hear those stories about families moving out to Los Angeles, which does not need to happen overnight anymore. You don't need to come to Los Angeles on a whim anymore. You can do things online, but as families coming to Los Angeles, living in their car, I look, I, and I love Hillary Swank. I think she's a talented actress, but I know that she lived in her car and I think it was with her mom. And I just feel like at what point do you look at that and say, this is too much of a sacrifice? You right. know, you wouldn't do that to become an accountant. You wouldn't do that to become a doctor or a nurse. I mean, most people wouldn't that I know anyway, but it's this business and the chance at fame or the chance at the amount of money that can be made, people do very strange things and it's not necessary. Be yourself. Don't rely completely on your child for, to financially to help you through this. You know, I mean, I've had other stories where they're like, the parents have come to me and said, well, how much of can I take for this and that? And I said, I can't advise you on that. You're going to have to talk to an attorney or an accountant. You can take a little bit because of gas and things like that. You can take some small expenses, but you have to keep track of it because otherwise they're going to come after you. And also there's a thing called a Coogan account, which by law, every child must have or a UMPA or whatever in uh, UPMA, sorry, excuse me, in on the East Coast. It's an account. Jackie Coogan was an actor way back and Lassie or something. I forget what, what in the show is like really older show and parents stole their money. And so by law, a kid cannot be hired for a production without giving your Coogan account and your work permit. And you have to have both of them. And no matter where you are, can I, Texas, New York, doesn't matter. And the Coogan account is 15% of your money goes directly from production into this account. The parents can never touch it and the child can't touch it until they turn 18. That's interesting. 
Yeah. And that's been for a while now. That's been for at least 20 years now or so. But again, it's only 15%. Right. You no. Know? And then, but then you have agents taking 10, you have managers taking 10 or 15. And the parents, look, you can take a little bit here and there for gas and things like that, but keep track of it. You don't want your kid looking at it and saying thousands of dollars were missing, six figures were missing. Once they start making a really a lot of money, some people lose track of their money. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, and it's funny too, because it used to be you only really saw this in the entertainment business, but now with social media and the young kids that are influencers whose parents mm-hmm. let them go on there and deal with all the trolling and the stuff they put on there. It's incredible. I had a lady the other day that was about to audition. And I said, no, she's too young for us right now because online, it's really tough for any of the kids that are under seven. So they don't have the attention span. And we had some kids in the beginning of the pandemic because they were in our studios. We pivoted online. They were like the 46 year old category. So we were like, we'll do a half an hour. They can't hold their attention much longer. So now we just don't do it at all. But I think she was four. And I said, I just, you know, no, no, I'm sorry. We're not at this time or whatever. And then she's like, oh, do you know when? I said, I, we actually don't at all. So I don't, there's probably not going to be an option. And she, oh, really? But it's, look, look how talented she is. Look at all of her TikToks. And I was like, I'm sorry, she's four. First of all, and I actually just went back to her. I said, please don't send me unsolicited photos and videos. Don't do that. Why right. are you doing that? It's just insane to me. Then we'll put out an audition on our, you know, our social media. And the parents just start popping their kid's photo up there. What are you doing? You know what I mean? Like your kid's five, like protect that a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, don't just throw your kids a photo out there willy nilly. And then the kids like, like I've mentioned, I keep mentioning Raheem Barry. If you go to his social media, it says managed by mom. That's super important. Make sure that you're the mom, the parent is the one that's looking at this stuff. My nephews, they're 19 and 15 now, but they weren't allowed on social media until they were 12 years old. Yeah. My daughter, I, I actually let her at 11 because the lockdown happened and Mm. she was really into TikTok, but she's private and Mm. I have to see anything she uploads. Like she cannot upload without my permission. And I will do that until she's 35 if I can. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, maybe it was 13 because I remember I was at the dinner table at my sister's house and I completely got my nephew in trouble because I was like, oh, don't you remember? He was eight and I think he was 12 at the time. And I said, no, you remember I said, I... I messaged you back on Snapchat about it. And literally his face went completely wet. My sister said, what? She said, <laughs> said, go in your room, get your, get me your phone right now. And she snatched it out of his hand and he didn't have a phone for a week. But you have to do that kind of thing. I use my sister as an example because she's a great mom. You know, the kids turn, are turning out great, thank God. But you can't just throw an iPad in front of their face and throw or throw their phone in front of their face and let them go off into the room and think that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Here's another great story. We take attendance. We know who's in our classes. We know we take screenshots of the classes. We don't do, we only use that internally. We don't put it out there, you know, on social media or anything, but we'll contact after like a few classes or that first week, you know, my operations director will contact them. How's it going? Blah, blah, blah. We ask them, who's your favorite coach? You know, all this stuff. And one was asked, you know, hi, how's everything going? We're just wondering why little Susie wasn't taking I don't think I haven't been named Susie. I don't want anybody thinking I'm talking about them specifically. <laughs> but uh, little Susie wasn't in class yet. What do you mean? She's been up there every night taking class. No, she hasn't. And you should probably go check on her because she's not taking class when she says she's supposed to. And they're like, no, no, no. She was in this class. And I said, well, okay, well, we're going to show you. We're going to black out the other names, but we're going to show you the screenshot of that class. 
And she, uh, and she as uh, they, we were on the phone with her, she went up there and screamed at her child. But again, she didn't know because she was just trusting and sending her up there. And mom's paying this money and, she, and she's not doing what she's supposed to do. Well, so and that, but that also makes you wonder, does Susie want to do it or does mom want Susie to do it? And also it is incredible what parents will be in denial about. I know. Just I know. so they don't have to face what's going on. And, right. and if you didn't have that screenshot, she may have argued with you until like the end she of probably, the but Yeah, she probably would have. No, 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 no. I believe my daughter. And I get that. And defend your child. I completely understand that. And also, we realized at the beginning of the pandemic, it was a sort of a babysitting mechanism for a lot of these parents. I mean, we had parents that were like, oh, we'll do more hours. We'll do more hours. And I'm like, okay, but they're not, they're, it's a lot for a seven or eight-year-old or nine-year-old, whatever. And I'm like, maybe we should just dial it back. I don't know. We'll do more hours. And I'm like, and then we started realizing, okay, it's sort of becoming a babysitting mechanism for them. And then we said, look, we've got a great reputation. We've got a good rating on Google and all these different sites or whatever, because we deal with quality that we're presenting to the agencies and everything. So we're not going to let you phone it in. So if this is something that you're not really interested in, or you're just using it as a babysitting mechanism, or little Susie's not interested. If there's any little Susie's out there, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> I use little Susie and little Johnny all the time. I don't know why I'm like, but- um, Those names are so more of our generation than they I are. Know, I know, so I know. I know my two, the two kids that are doing really great, Raheem and Ezekiel. I there love those. Have. I should yeah. use those names more. But if this is something that you're just sort of like using as that babysitting mechanism or they are just like, sure, sure, I'll try it. First of all, it's not cheap. You know, this business, not just with us, just in general, if you continue to train and everything, it could be thousands of dollars for the year. I mean, it's the same with cheerleading, the same with travel soccer and things. When you invest that money, you want to make sure that they are really committed to it, right? When we do our national enrollments, they still have to, even if you're a client, you still have to audition with me to come to nationals, right? To come to Hollywood in July 1st or the 5th, like I mentioned. So we don't tell them right there on the spot we didn't answer. I said, take a moment, think about it. And then make sure that little Johnny is super excited about this, is, is super wants to do this. Because number one, it's, a, it's more money. It's another financial commitment for you. And it's a time commitment. Just the five days getting on a plane and doing all of this other stuff is a time commitment. And then when you get here, there's a lot of things that we require of you at the event. So you have to talk to your children and believe them. Most children are going to be honest with you and say, no, I'm not really interested. I don't really want to do that. I used to, when I used to travel myself and do the seminars a lot, and I would always say that we would meet little Johnny and we'd say, you know, do you want to be on TV or, you know, you, why, why do you want to be on TV? And they're like, well, I don't really know. And I'm like, do you want to be on TV? They're like, no, not really. And I'm like, well, then what do you want to do? They're like, well, we want to play basketball. And then we're like, mom, put your kid in basketball then. Don't bring him here. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. It's usually the boys too, that because they, you could tell that they're sort of forced to be there. Yeah, yeah. But, they want to be crazy and yeah. athletic and doing things with their physicality. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I don't want to keep you. So I'm going to jump into our game, which okay. uh, is called Name the Child Star. Okay. I'm going to just start listing off movies or TV shows that this person appeared in. Okay. And I want you to name who it is at any point, whenever you can figure out who it is. Okay. Okay. All right. And I only selected child stars who are successful and healthy today. Right. I'm like, I'm not going to know some obscure. I don't know. No, yet. no, 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 no. Okay. okay. Right. This one's easy. Christmas story, elf, Spider-Man far from home. And apparently oh. a Christmas story, Christmas they're working on right now. 
a Christmas story and Alf. And, but I mean, the Will Ferrell, but the kid? Yeah. That boy that's in Elf? The boy that, no, no, no. Christmas story, the really old movie. The original. Yeah. That actor who played the the blonde, Peter Billingsley, was then in Elf. He's been. What was he in Elf? He oh, was, he was one of the writers. Yeah, but he was actually in it too. I think he was in the scene with no, the No, he was one of the actual writer, like the, the, oh, they, the okay. children's book thing. He was James Conn's, one of James oh. Conn's guys. Okay, okay. That's, now I know who you're Yes, okay. All right. Ah. That one, though, oh, yeah, that was not as easy as I thought. Okay, this one should be easy, hopefully. Okay. Not the first one, though. I went way back in her resume. Three, two, one, contact. My body, my child. Oh, Jodie Foster. No, square oh. pegs, footloose. Oh, uh, Hocus, Elizabeth Shue? Hocus Pocus. Sarah Jessica Parker? Yes, SJP. Uh, okay. Girls just want to have fun, which was- I, I love was, that uh, one. I was yes. obsessed with that when I was a kid, yeah. Sorry, I love that one too. Okay. Little and House- that's a young Helen Hunt as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Little House on the Prairie, Silver Spoons, Teen Wolf 2, Valerie- Dodgeball and Ozark. Laura Linney? Nope. Jason Bateman. Oh, oh, duh. Okay. I, one, I don't know why I was just thinking females now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. This one's really easy. The Professional, Beautiful Girls, Mars Attacks, Star Wars, Garden State. Oh, um, Natalie Portman? Yes. You Family. know, a movie that I love of hers is that she did with Susan Sarandon. Anywhere but here or something, or what she was, like saw that. No, was that yeah, that was her. And then the Walmart baby mom one that she did. I loved that. Oh, right. I never saw that one either. Sorry. That was good. That was like a true story. The yes. Ashley Judd, her and Ashley Judd, yeah. Yes. Okay. Family ties, China Beach, Quantum Leap, LA Law, Dr. Quinn, Roseanne, Third Rock, that 70s show. 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes. He wow, had, where was the first one? Quantum Leap. Wow. He, yeah, he had crazy. His IMDb is insane. The, they're, they're remaking re- Quantum Leap, but he's not in it, but they're remaking it. Yeah. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was my last one. He was the last one. So, he's great. He's in that new show about Uber, I think, right now. Yeah. yeah he's, yes, yeah, he's I haven't great. seen that. I'm obsessed with all of these documentaries and series about all the, but I'm just like, so essentially what you're telling me is America wants you to be this rich success, but you essentially have to be an asshole to do it. You know, that's what all these people are. I have watched Inventing Anna. I've watched. Oh gosh, that Stop one. Out. I've watched Bad Vegan. Did you yeah. watch Bad Vegan? I did watch Bad Vegan, and I, I do not feel bad for her. I no, do not feel bad for her. No, no. 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 I, I'm going to do a whole show on these shows because you should. I, it's crazy. You, should. you know what? I, I actually have a podcast, too. It's called Society Talks, and I wanted to bring on comedians and see what they thought about the slap heard around the world, you know, from the Oscars. But the first comedian that I was going to go after, she was an ex-client of mine. She's a Scientologist. She's not going to say anything about him. Oh, her. God, no. not going to yeah. say anything about him. No. So, no. But you he, know. he didn't become a Scientologist, did he? I know he had talked about it. No, that's, I believe that they are. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. I, I believe that. I think that's what's it's also what's going on. They're talking about now and, and why other people are not condemning him and all of this stuff and whatever. But anyway, 
regardless of it. The takeaways from this, as I say, allow your child to be a child, allow them to do sports if they want to do this as well. It can't just be a hobby. They have to actually give some effort into it, but make it that they live, breathe and sleep this so that it comes out robotic, you know, let them be kids. My right. gosh. And don't live off of them. Go get your own well, damn go, job. You should go without saying, unfortunately. But Go get your own damn job. But that happens in sports, too, where you have. Oh, yeah. you know, what, was that, what was that basketball guy's name? And that the dad was like, who's going to start bidding on my oh, son? Bomb. Isn't it? Yeah. He's got like three kids, two or yeah. three sons. And yeah. we're like, buddy, relax. Like, it's just I don't know. Anyway, so. Yeah. Well, no, but one of my favorite jokes at the Oscars, though, was. It's a great year for women in film. Oh, my God. About the Williams sisters, dad. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, it's great. And then, of course, two men make it about them by with the slap. And it's just it's crazy. It's crazy. I will say this if I I mean, and and this is really it's not about the Oscars, but I will say this. It infuriated me. I love the Oscars. I love film. I love television as well. But that's not what the Oscars are about. But I love this art form. And I'm Will Smith fan. And I knew he was going to win. If I was in the Academy, I would have voted for him, which voting stopped weeks before the Oscars air. So there's it's not like they could turn around and change who won the Oscar. Right. Right. But he robbed so many people of their moment. One, Troy Kotsur for winning for Coda. Questlove, who got up there for that soul documentary, who literally Chris was presenting him with the award. And it all the nobody was even thinking about that. Ariana um, DeBose, Queen Ariana, openly queer, Latin, Afro-Latina that won 60 years later for the same role that Rita Moreno won. Jane Campion, who's the third woman director to win. I mean, he stole so many moments from that show. Amy, Wanda and Regina did a great job on that show. And I don't care what anybody says. Yes, Chris Rock maybe made a joke in poor taste, but it was a joke. Yes. And it, honestly, for Chris Rock, was not bad. It was it, mild. Not that bad because it was mild. honestly, Jada looks freaking amazing. I wish I, I could look like that ball. I know. I mean, it I'm sorry that sense. she has that disease. And, yeah. Know. But like, I, I don't know. Like, what Will could have done is gone up there and just been like, look, that was in poor taste. In case people here don't know, my wife has this. And like, spoke yeah. on it right. in defense of her that did not have to be physical but so, he, didn't, he didn't have to go up there at that moment you know no. what i mean like roll your eyes and then say something later on and say something on your twitter where you have power say something on your social media where you have power i don't believe what chris rock said was powerful it was uh was right da, 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 whatever or, or what during you your think? acceptance speech right saying, but that acceptance right. speech joe and someone said it the spanish director i can't think of his name said it sounded like a cult leader speech. Yeah. Like, and I was like, he nailed it. I mean, literally, yeah. I'm like, who does he think he is up there? I know. It's crazy. It was well, crazy. He thinks, obviously enough of himself that he thinks he can get up on stage, smack another human being, and then there'd be no repercussions. And then that's the other thing too. Not for nothing, but Hollywood, we need to do better. Jim Carrey yeah. said it on the Today Show the other day. We need to do better. You know, the rest of the world always calls us Hollywood elites and you look at what just happened and the fact that this man wasn't escorted they say oh he was asked to leave I'm sorry no ma'am if I did that I wouldn't have been asked I would have been old or I would have been brought out in handcuffs so people saw it like you would have been arrested for assault I know so what's good for the goose is good for the gander and don't treat the people in Hollywood differently you know I saw a video someone posted of him on the red carpet a few years ago and he some guy like grabbed him and oh I know and he he slapped him I know. But the problem is, and when I asked the question about if you ever talk to these kids about handling fame, Will Smith has been in this incredible fame bubble 
for close to 30 years now where people fall at his feet. He's given what he wants. And at some point you lose your sense of reality. You lose it. And I'm not excusing him, but there is something to be said about them not really understanding or remembering where they came from. And Will didn't come from money, right? So I agree. I agree. Yeah. And he came. <laughs> I mean, I did laugh at the one. Uh, I got one little fight and my mom got scared. She said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. <laughs> I was like, who knew that that line was going to come back to haunt him later on? Right. But I think the line and then, yeah, and then I'll, we'll, I'll let you go as well. But the last thing is, is that like if you're in Chris Rock's shoes, you can't necessarily you first of all, you couldn't have anticipated that. And you can't anticipate somebody getting pissed off or upset with you on material that you're putting out in the world. Not everybody's going to love what you, what you do. Not everybody's going to going to buy a ticket to what you do. Right. You know, not every movie is a Marvel movie, but you, at the end of the day, you have to have something like we've talked about a couple of times. You have to have something else that, that is not this business. Go and have another life outside of this business. I mean, even I've, I've watched interviews where they say, like the Julie Roberts is like, that's why I live in New Mexico. That's not why we're raising our family in Los Angeles or New York or whatever. We're raising them outside of the Mecca of this industry so that they get to be on a ranch and ride horses and this and that, whatever they can do. Have lives outside of this industry. It's super important. I think Jane Fonda said that in a round ta- Hollywood roundtable that they did. If you can watch some of those kids and parents, watch Hollywood Reporter Roundtable. Those interviews that those guys do, they really do have insight on where they came from. Look, she came from money and she came from the industry, but some came from nothing. Jennifer Lawrence didn't have anybody in the business when she first started. You know, Sarah Jessica so. Parker came from a very poor part nine of family. Nine family. I have brothers and sisters yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. So have a life outside of this. Don't make this your entire life and don't make this your child's entire life. All right. Well, share your social channels and website again. Society Performers is all of our social media at Society Performers, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And societyperformers.com is the website. And they can follow me too. Uh, I'll tend to always like revert them back to the other social media, but I'm at at Joe underscore Lorenzo for my social media. Well, thank you again, Joe, for speaking with me. My pleasure. Uh, this Thanks a, for having me. Yes. No, this is a Jobs Glow podcast. We're at jobsglowpodcast.com and at Jobs Glow podcast on all of our social channels. 